<laughs> to justify you dancing, all right? Why? Because David danced before the Lord, all right? And so anyhow, I know it's familiar to some of you, all right, if not most of you. But I do want to take a look at this passage of Scripture and talk about the presence of God. One thing that we notice about what's going on in our day and time and what's going on at Asbury was these, these students met with the purpose of getting a hold of God. And you can, you can question everything else they did. You can question how they're going about it or anything else. But they had a desire to get a hold of God. Is everybody with me? I need somebody to help me. Is everybody with me? Everybody got to understand that. They had a desire to get a hold of God, to be in the presence of God. Now, whether you want to critique all of that or not, that's your business. But we'll talk about those that critique that here in a little bit, all right? But I want you to look at it, if you will. There's something that David makes a statement about uh, in 1 Chronicles chapter number 13 that I want, to, I, I, I want to start there, and then I want to springboard into this thing. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles chapter number 13, verse number 1, And David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader, David said unto all the congregation of Israel, If it seem good unto you, that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel, and with them also to the priests and Levites, which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us. So David is saying this event, what he's fixing to propose, what he's fixing to say is vital to everyone. Is everybody with me? Everybody needs to get in on this. David says, send abroad and tell them that they come, gather themselves unto us. We're fixing to do something very great, and they need to be a part of it. The entire nation of Israel, all, let me say it like this, all of God's people need to be involved in this. All right, so what are they doing? I'm glad you asked. Verse number three, the Bible says this, and let us bring again the ark of our God to us. Now, everybody look up here, all right? Let me, let me give you just a little bit of background right here. When we go and we study and we go back into the book of Exodus, God gave man the tabernacle. God gave it with the law. How many of y'all remember Moses getting the law up on Mount Sinai? He also got the blueprints for the tabernacle. The tabernacle was God's way of providing a way back to him. Man had failed. Adam had, Adam had sinned in the garden. And Adam, because of Adam's sin, how many of y'all remember he covered himself up with a fig leaf? Right? And so God, the Bible says the fig leaves wasn't good enough. God made coats of skin for them. How many of y'all remember that? So in Genesis, an animal had to die. Blood had to be shed for the atonement of sin. And so man had, sin had separated man from God. And the only way for man to get back to God or in fellowship with God was through the shed blood of an animal. And so God gave them 
the tabernacle. In the tabernacle, every day they would bring animals to that uh, uh, tabernacle and they would offer sacrifices, the blood of that animal, to atone for their sin. And God said this. He, he laid out every piece of furniture in that tabernacle. And He told them that when they entered into the tabernacle, they would come to the brazen altar. And that was the place where blood would be shed, the animal would be killed, and the blood would be uh, 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 collected for the atonement of sin. Then He gave them the laver, the brazen laver or the wash basin, if you will. These men that handled these animals and that killed these animals had to wash their hands and they had to wash their feet before they entered into the holy place or the tabernacle itself. These two, first two uh, 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 furniture items were in the outer courts and then they entered into the tabernacle. Upon entering into the tabernacle on the left side, we had uh, the lampstand and its branches and it was uh, uh, fueled by olive oil, beaten before the press and it, it burned uh, uh, all the time at all times and it did so smokeless. That's how pure the olive oil had to be because this was an enclosed area. And inside on the left was a lampstand. Inside on the right was the showbread, the table of showbread. And there was two stacks of six on that. Right in front of the veil, there was the, uh, uh, the altar of incense. And it had to have incense burn on it at all time. And so the priest was constantly working. Is everybody with me? They were constantly working, uh, uh, killing the animals, collecting the blood, keeping the, bur the fire burning at the brazen altar, keeping the incense burning at the uh, altar of incense. And then there was a veil and behind the veil there was the Ark of the Covenant. Of course we know inside the Ark of the Covenant you had the golden pot of manna, you had Aaron's rod that budded and we had the Ten Commandments and on top of that there was what is called the mercy seat. The mercy seat was beaten out of pure gold. It covered the Ark of the Covenant and on each side it had cherubims that looked over the area that they would place the blood. All right, And this high priest could only come into that area one time a year and he placed blood on that altar. And if God was satisfied, the Shekinah glory would fall. It would lick up all the blood. The people in the, uh, in the camp would see it and they would know that their sins were forgiven. Atonement had been made. It was satisfied. Is everybody with me? But God said this about the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. He told man in Exodus chapter number 25 and in verse number 9, There will I meet with thee. God said, hey, hey we, we know God's everywhere at all times. Can I get a witness? But in the Old Testament, God told them that this place, the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat, this is where, God said, this is where I will meet with you. That's Exodus chapter number 25, verse number 9. This is where we're going to meet. I'll be right here. Everybody staying with me? So at this time, throughout the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant was a representation or a typology, a foreshadowing, a figure of God's presence. Why? Because God said, this is where, come on y'all, this is where I'll meet with you. Okay, is everybody with me? So we go to this and here's what David is saying. Let us, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Let us uh, bring again 
the ark of our God to us. Check out the end of the verse. For we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. The whole time of King Saul's reign, they never once inquired about the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. Now, let me lay some things down for you. Back in the time of the judges, this Ark was taken by the Philistines. It stayed in the land of the Philistines for seven months. I mean, they had their, their gods, they, they placed it in there with all their collection of gods, and they'd come in the next morning and their gods had all fallen over and was bowed down to the ark. <laughs> should have been, I need somebody to help me. <laughs> that should have been, that, that, that should have been an indicator something was going on here, all right? They, they stand the mic up and they'd come back in the next morning and they'd be laid down again with their hands cut off. <laughs> God's saying there's no other God before me. I need somebody to help me this morning. And so the Philistines said, man, we don't want this thing. Let's send it back to them. After seven months of them having it, they put it on a new cart. They put two milk kinds in front of it, and they said this. They had two, those, those milk kinds, they had two little ones, two calves. They said, we're going to take the calves away from their mamas. And we're going to put the calves over here. And we're going to put that ark on that new, ca- uh, new uh, 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 wagon or that new cart. And if those two mamas leave them babies and walk straight back to Israel, we'll know this thing is of God. And we need to stay away from it. Sure enough, they put it down there along with gifts and offerings to God because they were scared. <laughs> and as soon as they turned them loose, those two oxen went right back to the nation of Israel, pulling that new cart and the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant ends up back in, the, in, uh, uh, in, in Israel, and somebody decides to look in it. Man, I got so much to preach right here. Lord, forgive me. This is all just coming from studying way before. This ain't got nothing to do with this morning, but y'all bear with me. It gets back into Israel, and it comes, the first place it comes to, they, they decide they're going to look in the ark. Mm. The Bible says that they looked inside the ark and God killed 50,070 men because of it. I need somebody to help me. I mean, I'd be living in fear. I'd be like scared to go outside when God back in the Old Testament. Somebody say, hey man, we're under grace. They looked in the ark. But here's the thing, y'all. The ark contained the, the, the law. It contained a, uh, the rod, uh, Aaron's rod that budded. It contained a pot of manna. And to look upon the law without the mercy seat demanded justice. And so God killed them. Is everybody all right? You can't, I need somebody to help me. And we need that mercy seat. Oh, y'all ain't going what I'm getting. But anyhow, we go into the book of Romans. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the propitiation of our sins. Is everybody all right? If you translate that word propitiation back into the Hebrew, it literally means the mercy seat. Without Jesus, then the law demands that you and I are condemned. Man, the Old Testament teaches us so much. They didn't like it. So this town, all these people died. So they said, we're going to send it to the next town. I need a witness. We'd all do it. Don't lie. (laughs) They sent it over to the next town. And it remained there for 20 years during Samuel's rule as a judge. 
Stay with me. Is everybody with me? 20 years and seven months, the Ark of the Covenant remained away from the people of Israel. Stay with me. The Bible says, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. Saul reigned 40 years. 20 years of Samuel as judge, 40 years as Saul as king. Now David is king and he said, listen, we got to bring God back into this. I need somebody to hear me this morning. We have to bring God back into this. We have to get God back involved in our country. We have to get God back involved in our nation. And he says, and I'm asking everybody to gather with me and let's bring the ark back where it belongs and put it at the center of our nation. He said basically this. For 60 years, we ain't cared enough to seek after it. Man, I need somebody to help me. Is that not where we at? We talk about things of old. There's <laughs> some of y'all that could tell me about revivals that went on here and revivals that went on there, but I need somebody to help me. How many of us have really been in the middle of a revival in ourselves? Oh, it's good to talk about all the things that happened way on back in the days and back in the days when the Great Awakening took place and all these people got saved and all this is going on. But what about us? When was the last time God's people inquired, sought after, wanted God's presence to the point that, hey, I can't live without it. To the point where... I'm not going to leave without it. These boys, this, this thing up there at Asbury, I, I don't know anything about it and I'm not condoning it, but that, this thing has been two weeks, something like that, round the clock, people calling out on God, started off as prayer. We can't even get people to church for preaching and singing. They just coming to pray and ask God to do something. I need somebody, come on, y'all. Don't get quiet on me. I'm going to walk back to the back just in case they're not getting it. Not seeking after God. Not wanting it, really. Glad it's happening somewhere else. Glad it's blessing that house over there. But we'll just hang out. Everything, it's all right. We don't really need it. 60 years, David confesses to us. 60 years. The nation of Israel did not seek after the Ark of the Covenant. The place where God said, I will meet with thee. Could you imagine? I need, come on, y'all, talk to me right here. Could you imagine going your entire life and never being in the presence of God? How many kids... 60 years. How many kids was born? And I, I, I'm just going to throw this out there. I know that way back in the day, they were living a long time, but I, I don't think they were living a long time in this day and time. So how many children was born, raised up, and died? Never having seen the Ark of the Covenant. Never had made a trip to a temple 
When God said, this is the way, this is the only, mm, I need somebody to help me. Back in the Old Testament, this was the way that you would meet with me. Can you imagine? Does that not just, does that not just rip at your heart? Mama, daddy, when was the last time you was on your knees begging God for his presence so that your kids might experience when was the last time that you were begging God for, for His presence in a church house, in a setting somewhere, just so you could have your kids around it? Do we think that God's not God and that He won't meet with us now as He's met with us before? Do we think that God, we can put God in a box and we can just say, now, God, you've had your time to shine but we're going to keep doing church without you. We're going to keep doing life without you because we've managed to do it for this amount of time. And this is a danger for all of us, not just y'all, for me, for anybody. This is a danger for us. Hey, I've done life so long and I've done it without the presence of God that I really don't see a need in having Him in my life. We wouldn't say that out loud, but do we act like that when we don't call upon Him, when we don't search for Him, we don't inquire after Him, we don't seek after Him? David said the nation of Israel had gone 60 years without inquiring, without seeking after, without returning. Hey, listen, I need somebody to help me. The Ark of the Covenant was right there. It was accessible. All they had to do, Brother Jake, is go over there and get it. It wasn't like there was this big wall around it and they were going to have to fight this great big army to get to it. It wasn't like they were going to have to do all this great and, and powerful stuff just to bring it. All they had to do was go get it. It was in the nation of Israel. After the dude heard that 50,000 died in the village next to him, he was probably saying, sit it over there in the corner. I don't want to touch it. I'm scared of it. So it wasn't like you could walk up there and he'd be like, I'll fight you for it. <laughs> he'd probably like, please get this thing out of my house. <laughs> I ain't been able to cuss in three years. I need you to get this. Is everybody all right? I'm just picking. He said, we, we, we've not inquired after this thing. For 60 years. 60 years. So preacher, what do we got to do? Preacher, how do we get it back? I want us to look at what David did, and I want to, I'll give you three things, and I'll do it real quickly because I know time's running out on us. But I want you to notice, first off, the wish of David. The wish of David. David had a desire. The Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. David could not function and did not want to live without the presence of God. And David seen it, and he realized how important it was, not only for himself and his kids, but for the entire nation of Israel. The wish of David, when we look at this, we see the blessings of the Lord. We see the blessings of the Lord on the houses that had the Ark of the Covenant. We see the blindness of the laity. I, I, I did this, and this was, the word laity means congregation, the blindness of the people. They didn't even realize for 60 years they'd been out without the presence of God for 60 years. And can I say this? There's a lot of people that are living today that don't even realize they're not even in the presence of God. 
They've never been in the presence of God. There's people that are going to church this morning and they're going to that church this morning because that's where their meemaw went. That's where their great-great-grandpa went. Somebody in their family was a founding member of that church and they're sitting in a dead church. God ain't meeting with them at all. And they think that's what church is. They think that that's okay. I mean, I don't want that. I've never wanted that here. I want the presence of God. More, I'm going to say something, it's going to mess y'all up. I want the presence of God more than I want to hear a sermon. Because God can do it in a moment. What I can't do in 11 years of preaching to you. David had a wish, a want, a desire to have the presence of God. He'd seen, he knew what the blessings of the Lord was in his presence. But he knew that the blindness of the people, they don't even realize, I need somebody to help me this morning. They don't even realize they need him. You and I, we don't even realize that or, or the people outside these walls don't even realize how much they need God in their life. And you and I have him. Say, preacher, how do you know we have him? Because the Bible says where two or three are gathered together in his name, he'd be in the midst and I just need somebody to help me. I'm one. Has I got one more in here? We see the blessing of the Lord. We see the blindness of the laity, but we see the burden of leadership. I want you to notice this. This is what David said. The Bible says, and David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. It wasn't just David that desired it. It was the leaders as well. How bad do you want it this morning? I asked the leadership of the church. I asked my Sunday school teachers. I ask those that teach kids that help Miranda that do all that to teach any kind of Bible around here that have anything to do around here in a leadership role. How bad do you want it? Can we really expect everybody else to want it if we don't? If our only function is to come in here and sit on a pew, come in here and sit in a chair, come in here and go through the routine and never experience the, the presence of God, if that is our intent, then why do we expect everybody else in the church to get fired up about it? Oh, I need, I'm, I'm going to have some fun. Can I have some fun? It don't matter if y'all let me or not. <laughs> hey, we see people piled up on the altar, but we don't see leaders piled up on the altar. Why? Is that above us? Is that above us? Well, preacher, I ain't got nothing to pray about. With. I, I, I'd like to submit to you that you got a lot to pray about. Every time we enter into these buildings, every leader that we have in this church ought to be on their faces and say, God, please do a work today. But instead, well, I'm, you know what, I got my stuff together. I'm going to throw this out there for all of you. Ain't none of us got our stuff together. I know where my stuff's at. It ain't together. I need somebody to help me. There ain't no ducks in a row where I live at. They look like they just got shot at by Jesse. I need somebody to help me. Sorry, man. It just fit. It really did. It fit. I mean, because if you shoot at them, they go everywhere, right? That's where my ducks are. I need somebody to help me. And if I shot at them, they'd be dead. So Jesse, I had to use Jesse. The wish, David, the burden of the leaders, the leaders 
wanted the presence of God. Come on, I need somebody to help me. How bad do we want the presence of God? Oh, oh, we're going to lead it up to somebody. We, you know what, preacher, maybe somebody in here will get a hold of God. How about us? What about you? What about me? David had a desire, and that desire, the leaders had the same desire. They wanted the presence of God. They wished, they, this was David's wish. Let me do what nobody else has done. Let me bring God back to my country. Let me bring God back to His people. Let me bring God back to my community. Not, I hope somebody else brings God back. I hope somebody else does it. Come on, y'all. Is everybody right? The wish of David. Number two, the way of David. If David was going to bring the presence of God back, there were some things he had to do. Number one, he had to prepare a place. The Bible tells us in 1 Chronicles chapter number 15. Flip over one page of you in 1 Chronicles 13. And in, verse, in chapter 15 and verse number 1, the Bible says this, And David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. Then David said, None ought to carry the ark of God, but the Levites, for them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. And David gathered all Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord unto his place, which he had prepared for it. The way of David, how did David go about going? How, how did he go about doing this? He prepared a place. He prepared a place. Is everybody all right? He prepared a place. Listen here. If you want the presence of God in your life, you're going to have to prepare a place. I'm fixing to explain that to you. You got everything else going on in your life. You got a job that you got to take care of. Ain't nobody asking you to quit your job. Go and support your family. Somebody say amen. You got children you got to tend to. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Somebody say, I need a lady to say amen. I need a husband to say amen. We got ball games that we got to be at. Oh, praise God. He's going to get on ball games again. And no, no, I'm not. I'm just saying we got things that we got to do. They got to do this. They got to do that. They got to do this. We got to prepare food for the night. We got to spend some time with our spouse, not just on Valentine's Day. Y'all, some of y'all make it a point to let everybody know you're supposed to love your wife every other day than Valentine's Day. Is everybody all right? You know what I got for Valentine's Day? I'm wearing it. You know who bought it? You know what my wife bought me for Valentine's Day? Nothing. You know what I bought her? A leather gun. Is everybody all right? We go into the coach store. She's like, I want this one. Flip the thing over. It's four or $500 for a purse. Can I shoot myself? Is everybody all right? What is that thing going to do for you? I mean, is everybody all right? It's a walking trash can. I need somebody to say amen. $500 on a stinking purse. It's a walking trash can. That's all it is, a walking trash can. But bless God, you got to have the clutch that matches it. And if you're going to get the clutch that matches it, you're going to pay $150 for that. Is everybody all right? I could have bought a gun that would kill something that put food on the table for what you're carrying around on your, on your shoulder as a trash can. I 
I did not pay that. Michelle said, make sure you tell them you didn't pay that. Yeah, it was 60% off. <laughs> I still could have bought a gun. She was like, dear God, don't let them people know you paid that much for my purse. They'll mug me. It's, it, you're right. We're in a Baptist church. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I, I forgot. Where was I at? If you hadn't interrupted me, I'd have been fine. He prepared a place. I don't know how that had to do with anything, but he prepared a place because he understood that they needed the presence of God. We do all these things. We got to spend time with our spouse. That's what I was talking about. We got to love our spouse. We got to love our kids. We got to go to work. We got to do all these things. But where is our time? Where's the place that you've prepared to meet with God? Well, preacher, it's at the church house. Then why come only for one hour a week? Why come only two services a week? If this is the place where we meet with God, I need somebody to help me, then I'm thinking we need Him a lot more than two hours a week. First, we got to have a willingness. We have to have a want. We have to have a wish. we got to want God's presence. But then we've got to make a way for it. And the way we make a way is preparing a place. Every single one of us ought to be on the altar today. Say, God, I've got this. I've got my time scheduled out. I have to be at work here. I have to do this. I have to do that. But God, I am going to set aside a time in my life where I can just be in your presence. Not in front of a TV, not scrolling through Facebook, not sitting at a ball game, not multitasking. God, this is a time for your presence, and I want to be in it. Is everybody all right? A prepared place, a prepared people. You go on and you read through Chronicles chapter number 15, and I'm not going to do it, but David made the Levites sanctify themselves. The Levites were the priests. They were the only ones that could carry the ark and for them to do so, for them to be in the presence of God, they had to sanctify themselves. They had to cleanse themselves. Not only do we need to prepare a place, but you need to prepare yourself. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. There's many a prayer that's going unanswered today because there's unconfessed sin in our life and we don't want to get rid of it and so we carry it into our prayer room and we think we're getting a hold of God but we ain't even touching God because God ain't listening because you and I are walking out with all kind of filthiness still on us. I knew you wouldn't like it but it had to be said. We live in a day and time where we want God to accept us for who we are. God, I don't want you to change me. I don't want you to change anything about my life. I just want you to throw a blessing my way. And when I need you, I'll call you. Tell me that ain't the average Christian. Tell me that ain't the mindset of the world about to get a divorce they'll come running in them back doors falling down on the altar crying our people go to loving on them putting their arms around them praying for them their family gets put back together gone single woman comes running in here 
Oh, she was done so wrong. Her, her husband, her ex, whatever left her. She's crying all over the altar. She meets some other little ugly thing that tells her that he'll do all this and do all that for her. I need, is everybody all right? Then come to me out there in public. I'm going over there to the, his church. I'm, I, I'm going over there to his church. I, I, he, he's such a blessing to me. Yeah, God is to us. Is everybody all right? And this is where God fixed your mess. But you got what you needed, so you ran off and went somewhere else. <laughs> prepared people and a prepared plan. David said this to the Levites, ain't, ain't nobody to carry this ark. We're not to put it on a new cart. We're not to try to do something new. Only the Levites should do it. He prepared a plan. Now let me say this about David's plan. David's first plan failed. Because the first time David tried to move it, he tried to move it on the new cart. The oxen stumbled. The ark shook. Uzzah tried to steady it. God killed Uzzah. David said, how in the, Lord are we, how in the world are we going to do this if the Lord's going to kill people while we're trying to bring it? So David had to go back into God's Word and find out how the ark was supposed to be carried. How to bring the present, oh, uh, y'all ain't liking it, but I am. He had to go back in Scripture and find how, the, the method for getting the presence of God back. Oh, uh, it ain't going to be done by our way. Matter of fact, you can go through the Old Testament and you see over and over again. And man did that which was right in his own eyes. And listen to me, every time it says that, they did it wrong. I go back. I've got to figure it out. Is everybody all right? I ain't got enough time in the day. God, I pray that you'd stop the sun right now and give me another hour and a half. And then when we get done, it'll still be 1230. Amen. Is everybody all right? Some of y'all don't even know what just happened, but that was a prayer back in Joshua. All right. We see the wish of David. I'm moving on. We see the way of David. Lastly, we see the worship of David. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Samuel chapter number 6. We ain't been there, so we'll get there, all right? 2 Samuel chapter number 6 and verse number 12, I begin reading, and I'm going to read through the end of the chapter. I'm going to try to read it and just go through it and then go back and preach it because if I get, if I get hung up, we're going to be in trouble, all right? The Bible says this, And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom. That was, I told, I told you we're in trouble. I, that was the place when they tried to bring it from uh, with the ark, uh, or with the new cart rather. This was the place that Uzzah died, and they, play, they put it in the house of Obed-Edom. So it's moved some, but it ain't where it's supposed to be. Is everybody with me? And so it's at the house of Obed-Edom. This is where David, David, David's already tried to bring it back. He messed up, Uzzah died because of it, and David's like, how in the world am I going to do this? So David goes back into the word of God and now David is now ready to move this ark. The Bible says, and it was told King David saying, the Lord had blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen, and fatlands. And David danced before the Lord 
with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. This is his wife. This is the one that loved him. The one that hid him from Saul. The one that at one time loved David with all of her heart. When she seen him worshiping God. <laughs> the Bible says she de despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in his place. The place that was prepared. In the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an offer or an end of offering, burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he dealt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well to the women as men, to everyone a cake of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. And then David returned to bless his household. David was excited. David was excited. I need somebody. Y'all listen to me. David was excited. David was going home. He had accomplished what God had put in his heart. He had accomplished bringing back the presence of God. He had accomplished bringing back the ark of the Lord into the congregation, back to the city of David, the city of Jerusalem. He was excited. And he returned to bless his household and Michael. The daughter of Saul came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaidens of his servants, as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. Many people think that David was naked. He was not naked. What she, what she was mad about was David was king. And David said, If I'm going to worship God, he has to be king. And oh... Oh, I got some preaching to do right there, but I won't do it. But David said, if I'm going to worship God like I'm supposed to, then I can't be king. God has to be king. And so David took off his royal clothing and it made her mad. He was the king. Why are you stooping down to the level of those you are to rule over? That's what she was mad about. Everybody all right? David wasn't naked. Bible says, verse 21, David said unto Michael, it was before the Lord which chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the... Stick around. She would have said. Verse 23, we're done. Therefore, my David, I want you to notice the leading of worship. David led it. Let me preach by leaders. The leaping of worship. What they do, they text up to you the phone. Is that right? And so you don't get to lie about what you're doing. I'm excited to hear what, what it is, this is really showing who you are. Because we don't like to see us just like we are. I'm going to stop. Is everybody all right? We got to keep up this persona. 
of our life being great. How many of you posted all the bad things that happened to you this week? How many of you posted that you were sitting on the toilet and there wasn't no toilet paper? I need somebody to help me. I, I says, but bless God, that ain't how we did it back in the day. I'm sorry, stay with me, Brother But I want you to look at David's loyalty. David said, hey, Michael, you didn't come to my mail when I was down and I couldn't find my way up. You didn't. 